0: Hello to everyone out there on the internet. My name is Charlie Keyes and I pastor First Methodist Amarillo Campus. And I am so glad that you've decided to join us today and be a part of our online campus. Today's gonna be a great day. We're actually finishing up our series we're calling Streets of Gold. It's gonna be a great time. I'm glad that you're here with us. But as we get started, I wanna remind you how important it is to bring your Bible with you so that we're learning and growing and, and we are developing an understanding of how to navigate this important book and find the truths that we need to guide our lives. So, with that, let's get started. So, today we're going to be spending a lot of our time in Acts chapter 2. So, I want to start today by, by reading our primary text, starting in Acts 2, verse 41. It says this So, those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and their goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and, listen, generous hearts. Praising God and having goodwill of all people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. That's Acts chapter 2, verse 41 through 47. Well, again, I want to welcome you and say thank you for joining us and being a part of our fourth and final week of our Streets of Gold series. Throughout the past four weeks, we have unapologetically focused on finances. As a church, we believe it's important to God that we have a proper view of money. I want to remind you, Chris Willard and Jim Shepard, authors of the book Contagious Generosity, they make the case that by counting the number of verses in Scripture, you could argue that Jesus spent more time talking about money and possessions than about any other subject, including heaven and hell. Hopefully you now know and you understand that Jesus spent so much time talking about money because Jesus is aware of how much finances and possessions can impact our lives. We as followers of Christ must be diligent in making sure that we possess our, our possessions rather than allowing our possessions to possess us. Again, I want to share Jesus' words of warning to us from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Jesus tells us, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal But store for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, Jesus is telling us that the affections of our heart determine the direction of our lives. Therefore, we must guard our hearts to ensure we treasure the right things. We said in this series, one of the best ways that we can ensure our hearts approach possessions the right way is by meditating on the generosity that God shows us first. In week two of this series, we looked at the word of Paul and the words that he said in 2 Corinthians 9, 8. He said this, and God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. I have to say, I love this verse. There's so much goodness packed into this one sentence The verse promises us that God has the ability to not only give us a blessing, give us one blessing, but that God can provide every blessing in abundance that we might need. But right in the middle of that powerful sentence are two absolutely critical words. So that. These two words serve as a pivot point. They are a a hinge that allows us, that encourage us to transition from hoarding and selfishness to godly generosity. Let me read that verse for us again. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. Paul is urging us to depend on God, to abundantly provide us, to to ensure that we always have enough of everything, but also so that we may share in abundance with others. Our main text for today is a wonderful example of a so that moment. I want to read that verse for us again, but before I do, let me catch you up on all that has happened leading up to this point in Acts chapter 2. Let me remind you that the Gospel of Luke and Acts were both written by Luke. In Acts chapter 1, Luke is recounting how Jesus commanded the disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then Luke explains how, as Jesus was preparing to ascend into heaven, he told his disciples, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Chapter 1 ends with Matthias being chosen to replace Judas. But immediately in chapter 2, that's when things get kind of interesting. Kind of is probably an understatement. This is the story of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2 begins with Pentecost. The Holy Spirit does descend on the disciples just as Jesus promised. There was a sound like a rushing wild wind and tongues of fire appeared over the disciples' heads and they began to speak in other languages to the point that many people assumed they were drunk. But following the example of his Messiah, Peter took the opportunity to transform this crowd into an audience just as Jesus did in our earlier Streets of Gold Sermon Series. Peter, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, stands up and boldly preaches the gospel of Christ and the people respond. Acts chapter two, verses 37 through 43, recount what happened. Starting in verse 37. Now, when they heard this, when they heard this gospel that Peter was preaching, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other disciples, brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with them many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, save yourselves from this corrupt generation, so that those who welcomed his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 persons were added. Do you see what just happened? Did you see what just happened? Suddenly, without warning, without preparation, 3,000 problems, excuse me, I mean people, were added to the church in one day. 3,000 people in one day. That's a lot. There's actually a theological principle that I think will help us understand the significance of what we just read. Here's the theological principle. More people, more problems. Can I get an amen from our online congregation? More people, most more times than not, equals more problems. Now I want you to notice what the church did, but also what they didn't do in this moment. The church didn't panic. They didn't stress out about where everyone was going to sit. They didn't worry about building a bigger building or adding more people to the staff. Money was not what they were worried about. Finances were not what was first on their minds. Immediately after this 3,000 group of people were added, the text says in the very next verse, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They devoted themselves. And in response to their devotion, all came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were performed in, in the presence of those who had gathered together through the disciples. After a huge influx of people, the church stayed focused on their mission. Their first priority was the, the ministry of the church. But then we have a so that moment. Notice what happens in verse 44 through 47. It says that all who were together, all who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute those proceeds to to any who had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts. Praising God and having the goodwill of all the people, and the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. All who believed, everyone, including the 3,000 new people, practiced generosity. Why? They practiced generosity in response to what God had done first. They did not live with this mindset of it's your stuff and mine stuff, that mansion mindset that we talked about last week. But instead, they thought in terms of what has God given me that might be a blessing to you. They shared everything in common, Acts chapter 2 tells us. This text really illustrates an important point. It illustrates the point that money follows ministry. Money follows ministry. Those that were there, the most faithful and the most generous, gave after they had experienced the goodness of God. That is why day by day as they spent much time together in the temple courts, then they would break bread in their homes and eat their food with glad and what? Generous hearts. The people gladly gave and shared all that they had as an act of worship and gratitude for all that God had given them. And the generosity of those who gave, those who provided, it ended up fueling the growth of the church. And more and more people, because of their generosity, were introduced not only to the goodness of God, but also to the generosity of God's people. Let me remind you, verse 47, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people day by day, who the Lord added to their number, those who are being saved. I love this quote from pastor and author Andy Stanley. I really think it it sums up the, the power and the significance of, of Acts chapter 2 perfectly. Here are his words. Generosity is something we want for you, not from you. Generosity is something we want for you, not from you. In other words, generosity not only blesses others, it blesses you as well. Church, we cannot make the mistake of of saying and thinking, when we have the money, then we'll do the ministry. As I read the Bible, that doesn't seem to be how God operates. What I see in Acts 2 is that the ministry of God impacts the people of God in such a way that a spirit of gratitude and generosity wells up inside of them and overflows through their actions. Money follows ministry. God intends to bless you. God intends to bless us so that we can be a blessing to those around us. The faithful and the generous giving done by many of you who are are listening today and many of those who are part of our Canyon and our Amarillo campus, many of them who gave enabled our church to accomplish powerful ministry over the past year. I believe much of the good we have accomplished is a direct result and a direct response of the generosity of those who realize how good God had been to them first. I have a few examples of some things that happened in this past year, some things that God accomplished through our generosity, through your generosity, that I think are important and, and worth sharing. I'm aware of at least one adult grow group that this past semester has raised and save nearly $400 that they intend to gift to their waiter or waitress at their end-of-semester meal that they host together. As a church, we have distributed over $7,000 to help those in need through our sharing fund. The Wesley Foundation, which is a Methodist college ministry at West Texas A&M, was able to raise over $13,000 at our annual chili cook-off and cake auction hosted at our Canyon Campus. I witnessed our church on two separate occasions in the time that I've been a part of this church be a part of gifting two different vehicles to two different families who were in need. Our Emerald Campus Children's Ministry at this moment are preparing and, and making blessing bags that, they, that include toiletries and snacks and a Bible and water and, and a kind note from one of our children, our children's ministry, so that the parents of those kids can then go and give those To the homeless that they might encounter over the holiday season. We've provided $7,200 in summer camp scholarships to kids and students in our church. Our communion rail offering this past November raised over $1,000 in one Sunday to support our Angel Tree ministry that both of our campuses, our, our building campuses, are hosting. Our communion offering for Angel Tree in November raised $1,120 to support the Angel Tree ministry that our Canyon campus and our Amarillo campus are hosting. And in fact, combined, our Canyon and our Amarillo campus will be providing gifts for 96 children through our Angel Tree ministry. Our Angel Tree ministry provides gifts to kids whose family are in need for Christmas day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple. They broke bread at their home, and they ate their food with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. If money truly follows ministry, one of the best ways that we can ensure that you and I maintain a generous spirit and equip our church to continually accomplish the vision and mission that God has given us is remembering the ministry that God accomplished in us first. Remember, God can provide for the ministry of his bride, the church, however he wants to, and in a variety of ways. But I believe one of the most common ways that God provides is through the hand of the people who have already been blessed by the ministry of the church. That's you, that's me. So today, as we prepare to complete and submit our generosity response cards, remember, these are the cards that will help us determine our our church's 2023 budget, our 2023 ministry budget. Allow me to remind you of what God has done for us. I want to encourage you in this moment, uh, if you feel comfortable, to to close your eyes and and try to remember what your life was like before Christ. As I read the words from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Okay, you got your eyes closed? Here we go. At one time, you were like a dead person because of the things you did wrong and your offenses against God. You used to live like the people of this world. You followed the rule of the destructive spiritual power. This is the spirit of disobedience to God's will that's now at work in persons whose lives are characterized by disobedience. At one time, you were like those persons. All of you used to do whatever felt good and whatever you thought you wanted to so that you were children headed for punishment, just like everyone else. However, God is a rich God in mercy. He brought us to life with Christ while we were dead as the result of those things that we did wrong. He did this because of the great love that he has for us. You are saved by God's grace and God raised us up and seated us in the heavens with Christ Jesus. God did this to show future generations the greatness of his grace by the goodness that God has shown us in Christ Jesus. You are saved by God's grace because of your faith. This salvation in God's gift is not something you possessed. It's not something you did so that you could be proud. Instead, we are God's accomplishment created in Christ Jesus to do good things. God planned for these good things to be the way that we live our lives. At this time, I want to encourage you to to bring up the image of our generosity response card. We'll we'll have it uh, through our presentation. We'll also have an image of it posted in the comments. And I want you to pray about. I want you to pray about and ask the Holy Spirit to remind you, to, to point out to you how God has been generous to you throughout your life, throughout this past year, even in this past month. And then I want you to answer the question for yourself. How will you be generous in response to the generosity that God has shown you? And then I want you to take time to fill out that generosity response card. Make whatever decision makes sense for you. Again, God does not want you to give out of compulsion or out of guilt. God loves a cheerful giver. And a cheerful giver is someone who's giving in acknowledgement in response to what God has already given them first. And then you can do one of two things. You can mail that generosity response card to our Canyon campus at 1818 Fourth Avenue, Canyon, Texas, 79015. Or you can scan it and email it. Or you can take that card and you can type it into an email what you want to do and send that to us. And we'll add that to all those others who have contributed, who've taken a step of generous response so that the mission and the ministry of First Methodist Church, Canon, Amarillo, and Online can continue. I want to thank you for being a part of our online campus. I want to thank you for being a part of our Streets of Gold series. Uh, this series has really impacted me and challenged me as well. And I look forward to next Sunday when we kick off Advent. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that you would bless my brothers and sisters who are part of our online campus would you speak boldly to them about the generosity that you've extended to them, the love that you've shown them, the protection that you've provided, the community that you've built up around them so they may feel safe, known, and loved. I pray you would bless them and I pray that you would inspire them to be generous as you've been generous. Please bless them. and Affirm your love for them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you and have a great day.